Hi, I'm Brian Giuliano, part of the Global Fixed Income Team here at Brandywine Global. And I'm Alberto Bocchino, Research Analyst on the Global Fixed Income Team. And today we're going to spend some time talking about Mexico, a country that has faced its share of challenges. Uh, disappointing economic growth, increasing violence on the streets, Trump and the wall, uh, NAFTA negotiations, and now we're a few weeks away from presidential elections and a populist candidate known for his, his strong rhetoric has a commanding lead in the polls. Alberto, before we get into elections, set the scene for us. How did we get to where we are today in Mexico? So to focus on the economy for a second, the economy is doing okay. There was a little bit of an inflation shock last year, forcing the central bank to really raise rates. But inflation has come off significantly, and it's almost hitting target this year. Uh, growth is slowing on the margin, but it's still positive. Uh, and if you look at the balance of payments, manufacturing exports to the U.S. are still pretty strong. Mexican expats keep sending money home. Some remittances are high. Um, that being said, growth in Mexico over the last decade has been pretty poor, and there's been a number of corruption scandals that have... Uh, involve the uh, current administration. So the average man on the street is a bit upset with uh, the state of politics and economics at the moment. So 25 years ago, NAFTA was supposed to be uh, a boon to the Mexican economy. And for some segments of the economy, particularly manufacturing, it's been just that. But for the broader economy, you just mentioned, right, growth has been relatively lackluster, productivity chronically low, a number of scandals uh, in the current administration. What is it that Mexico needs to do to really get that productivity growth increased? So you're right that it's definitely been a tale of two halves where the states in the northern border close to Mexico, close to the U.S., have done pretty well. Uh, but the rest of the country hasn't really benefited. I would argue that the current administration already did a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, they've done a lot of structural reforms. To give you a couple, they modified the tax system to make it less reliant on oil revenues. They opened up the energy sector to foreign investment so it can increase production going down the line. There were also a couple of uh, key reforms in the education and financial sector. It just takes time for these reforms to kick in. I recently read a stat that 80% of college students in Mexico are the first in their family to go to college. I mean, that's pretty impressive and, and, and speaks to what be, should be a, a brighter future for, for many Mexicans. So. Alberto, let's shift gears for a minute. Let's spend a few a few minutes talking about um, the upcoming elections. And I think first, maybe just walk us through the field of candidates. Uh, sure. So it's a three-man race, and uh, polling in sort of the high teens is the uh, incumbent party's nominee, Jose Antonio Meade. Uh, he's a really smart guy, but it's hard for him to disassociate himself from a very unpopular administration. Uh, in second place, in sort of the mid-20s, you have uh, Ricardo Naya. He's uh, young, ambitious, still from the other establishment party, would definitely be a very market-friendly president. And far ahead in the lead, polling above 50% now, is uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador. He's known by his initials, AMLO, and he's the sort of classic left-of-center populist anti-establishment candidate and something that it seems like the political mood in Mexico is asking for at the moment. So you talk about the front-runner, AMLO, and some of his rhetoric recently has, has moderated a bit. He's always had a, a bit of a fiery rhetoric about him. Um, but the core of his message really hasn't changed for his entire career. You, you, know, you mentioned he's anti-establishment. He's been anti-corruption. Um, back when he was mayor of Mexico City almost 15 years ago, he promised a, an, an honest government. Um, he lived in a tiny house in a middle-class neighborhood. He drove a, an average car. Um, his approval ratings were sometimes north of 80%. 
Um, his critics will say that he's another Chavez. Maybe he's Mexico's Lula. Those are some pretty strong comparisons. Are they fair? And, and maybe tell us a little bit more about some of AMLO's policies. So I think there's generally a fear that he'd roll back the structural reforms that Mexico really needed, and he has spoken out against a few of them, most vocally against the energy reform. Uh, when you look at his policies, too, he could be a little more lax on the fiscal side. He's made critical comments of the central bank in the past. But what it comes down to, I think, he's been in the public eye for so long. It's the third time he's running for president. And even though he's moderated his rhetoric this time around, people still remember the AMLO of old. So it's sort of hard to predict who he's going to be going forward. So what's the market looking for at this point? Are, are, are concerns overblown? Because Mexican asset prices have had a, a lot of volatility in recent time. Um, so I think it's very much in the price that AMLO is going to win because, again, he has more than 50 percent of the vote and has the momentum behind him. And I think the question right now is whether he gets Congress. It's a bit of a complicated system, but if he gets 45 to 50 percent of the vote share, he could get a majority in Congress, and that would really change the uh, potential for legislation in the next administration. Up until a few weeks ago, it was widely expected that a NAFTA deal in principle would be reached by the end of May. That didn't happen. Instead, the U.S. slapped steel and aluminum tariffs on Mexico and Canada. With AMLO likely, likely taking the helm uh, down in Mexico, we have U.S. midterms in a few months. What's this mean for the future of NAFTA? So I don't think a deal is forthcoming in the near term. Uh, there's a couple big principles that they can't agree on. Um, without going into details, the amount of uh, domestic content in autos is a big one. And the sunset clause where you would revise NAFTA every few years is another sort of no-go between the three parties. I think it's also important to remember, though, that NAFTA will probably stay in its current form, absent a NAFTA 2.0. And even if the U.S. were to withdraw, there is life after NAFTA. Uh, one stat that's key to remember is only about half of exports actually go under NAFTA tariffs. And even if you were to withdraw from NAFTA, you would revert to uh, World Trade Organization tariffs, which are not that much higher. Uh, so it would definitely be a shock to the market, but Mexico would be able to survive. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned another shock, um, an inflation shock to the market that finally seems to be abating. Ten-year um, Mexican government bond yields are almost 8%. Inflation has now softened to about 4.5% year over year. That's a, that's a pretty big fall from where we were about six, seven months ago. Um, that's actually a very healthy inflation-adjusted yield, one of the largest in our universe. So why is there such a such a large real yield attached to the market? In other words, is the market expecting inflation to return? Is this an AMLO risk premium? Um, and does it matter that the, the Fed is raising rates? Does that affect uh, government bond prices in Mexico as well? Uh, so I think it's a combination of a couple things. If you look at the spread of 10-year Mexico rates to U.S. rates, fair value in the past used to be 400 basis points. It's now trading wider than 500 basis points. I think the market that was used to an era of global QE is trying to get used to what the new regime is like with maybe higher currency and rates volatility. So I think that's one of them. And when it comes to the elections, if you look at how locals are positioned going into this election, they're the most underweight duration uh, they've been in over 10 years. This is a local pension fund system. So I think that reflects a little bit of fear about AMLO as well. I also thought it was pretty impressive how the Mexican central bank was able just to to break the back of inflation, right? because emerging market central banks so often don't have the fortitude to raise rates as high as they need to be 
economic growth slows and to really get inflation to roll, the central bank had the persistence. They saw this through, and inflation has really softened. Uh, I think it's a very, very good thing for Mexico to have that kind of a, a strong and independent central bank. Yeah, it's a central bank that likes to get ahead of the curve rather than behind a curve. Um, and it's also very clear about staying hawkish when it needs to be. So earlier this year, the market was really excited about inflation coming down, pricing and rate cuts. But the central bank's been very clear that there's a lot of uncertainty in the air and they see no need to re reduce rates in the near term. So I think that also helps control inflation expectations. So Alberto, we just talked about the monetary side of things. Tell me a little bit more about fiscal policies in Mexico. So I think fiscal is actually one of the most impressive things with Mexico, and it really shows how the structural reforms are starting to work. So if you think about Mexico, an oil exporting country, they saw the shock in 2014, and they were actually very resilient because they were able to collect tax revenues from uh, other areas, the consumer mainly. So you have a situation where you have a country that went from a fiscal deficit to running a primary surplus uh, sometime soon, and have been very responsible with how they spend their money. I think the other thing worth adding, too, is that even though AMLO has said that he wants to increase spending in some areas, he's promised to be fiscally responsible. And when you see him as mayor of Mexico City, historically his performance was really good in terms of his fiscal. Um, so I think it's something that could be resilient even in an AMLO administration that becomes more activist going forward. All right. Well, thanks, Alberto, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, please don't hesitate to contact us if you have any questions.